Welcome to the Verse by Verse podcast, a ministry of the Friendship Congregational Bible Church. I'm Richard Church, the teacher on Verse by Verse, and I'm glad you've joined with us today as we study together God's infallible word, verse by verse. Let's turn in our Bibles today to John chapter 17. This being the, the first Sunday of the year, it's, it's always good to kind of take stock of things. You know, you, when, when you come to a, a new year like that, you think back at the past and you look forward to the future. You know, as we move into this new year, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty. But you think about uh, things like the economy and, you know, going into this next year, um, there's, there's a expectation maybe it seems confidence is starting to rise a little bit but still great uncertainty and um, you know not only that but uh, there's uncertainty about what what measures the government is going to take Uh, oftentimes the best thing government can do is to do nothing but of course there's great pressure on them always to do something right And uh, we've seen in the past election, we've seen some changes in the makeup of the government that may be a good thing, may be a bad thing. There's uncertainty there about that. Um, We have uncertainty even about the weather. You know, this year has been strange weather, and not just here, but all over the world. The weather, even in a good year, is uncertain, right? There's uncertainty about matters of health. You don't know what, what's going to come in the year to come as far as, as far as health is concerned. There may be some good things. There may be some bad things. Um, you know, all of this, this uncertainty as we approach this year ahead of us. And with all of that uncertainty around us, it's important to realize that as believers in Christ, there are some things we can be certain about. You can't be certain about the circumstances around you. You can't be certain about what the news is going to be tomorrow or next week or six months down the road. You can't be certain about the weather or the economy or or anything like that. But there are some things that you can be certain about from God's Word. And in fact, faith produces certainty. In fact, you could almost say that faith is certainty. Um, Faith is not doubt, right? And that's what uncertainty is, is doubt. And, and again, there's, it's, a, it's a healthy thing to be doubtful about a lot of things. But when it comes to the matters of God's Word, there are some things to be certain about. And what we're going to look at this morning is we're going to look at three things that are certain from God's Word, three things you can be certain about in the year to come. And uh, these are, again, these are matters of faith. Um, the, you know, when, when, somebody, when somebody says something like, well, you know, I believe God's word, but I, I have questions or I have doubts about this thing or, or that thing. That's not the response of faith. In fact, uh, what the scripture says is that, that God has not given us a spirit of fear, right? Which again is associated with uncertainty. The only reason you ever fear something is because you're uncertain about what the outcome is going to be. But he's given us a spirit of power and love and of a sound mind. And the, you know, the world does not have a sound mind. 
Um, the, the world is operating based on flesh and based on sin and, and those kinds of things, and it's not sound in the, in the, the larger perspective. Okay? But when you come to God's Word, that's where you're able to find the mind of Christ, which is the sound mind. And as that Word works in you and that Holy Spirit that dwells in you works with that Word, it produces in the believer a sound mind so that the believer can look out at the world around them with all that uncertainty and yet approach it with faith and certainty in the Word of God. Um, I, I told you to go to John chapter 17 and there we're going to find the first thing that you can be certain of and the... the uh, the truth that you can be certain of is that God himself is the only reliable source of truth. John 17, let's begin in, in verse 14 here. Christ is praying. Uh, he's praying. This is, this is uh, not, not too long before his crucifixion. And he's praying here primarily for his disciples. And what he says in verse 14, we're kind of breaking into the, the context there. But he says, I have given them thy word. Now this is Jesus Christ speaking to God the Father about the disciples. So Christ says, I have given them, the, the disciples, thy word, God's word. And the world hath hated them because they are not of the world, even as I and not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou should, shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And you can be certain that when you come to the word of God, you are coming to truth. It is truth that God has inspired and preserved there, and you can put your trust and confidence in that. It will never let you down. If you will believe the Word of God, you will never uh, have to be ashamed of that because it'll, it, you'll never find it to be false. And here as Christ talks about that Word that He had given to those disciples, He said that He had given them the Word of God, and that that produced, because he had given them that word and they were holding to that word, it produced a separation between them and the world. And you realize that if you're going to believe the truth of God's word, it's going to separate you from the world. Uh, you, aren't, you aren't going to be able to hold on to both God's word and the world around you. Because in the one there's certainty and in the other there's nothing but uncertainty. He, he says that the world hated them. And, you know, if, if the world doesn't hate you, then you're not taking the stand for God's word that you ought to take. Okay? Now, that doesn't mean you just go out and be mean and nasty to everybody and make them hate you that way. That's one way to make people hate you. But, you see, the reason that Christ says here that the world, the world hated those disciples, it wasn't because they were mean and nasty to them. It was because they had the word of God, and the world by nature hates the word of God. He, he says that the world hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And when you take hold of that word of God, it changes who you are so that you're not the same as the world around you and you're something different. You're something different from them, something changed from them. 
He says in, in verse 16, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And verse 17 says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. To sanctify means to set apart. And as believers, we are to be set apart from, from the world around us. But how are we set apart? We're set apart through truth. The believer's call is to hold the truth and let the truth set you apart from the world. So that you can stand there in the midst of the world, in the midst of a world that hates you because of that truth, and be set apart, not by going to, to some, you know, some area where the lost can't get to you or whatever, but to be set apart because you have the truth. And you see it says, thy word is truth. And God's word and the, the person of God himself, whether it be Christ or God the Father themselves, God's person and God's word are the only things that you can say are truth. Jesus Christ said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You may find certain truths in other sources, right? You may, you may learn certain truths from a mathematics textbook. You may learn certain truths from a science textbook, although science textbooks you'll learn a lot of untruths as well. Uh, you may learn certain truths by your experience and other things, but it's only God's Word and God Himself that you can point to and say, that is the truth. It is truth. It embodies what truth is. And see, those, old, those other things are only true insofar as they correspond and, and don't contradict what the truth has to say. And so, if you need something to be certain about in 2011, it's that God's Word is truth and that God Himself is the only reliable source of truth. It's not the evening news that's the source of truth. It's not the newspaper. It's not the, the books that you read and, and all of those kinds of things. It's certainly not the stories that your friends tell, right? It's not what the politicians say. That's not the source of truth. Thy Word is truth. You know, maybe a, maybe a corollary to the certainty that God is the only reliable source of truth is that anything else you put your trust in is going to let you down. Anything else you put your trust in besides God himself is going to be found at some point or other, given enough time, to be untrue. Turn back to the book of Jeremiah. And notice the warning that the prophet Jeremiah gives us here in Jeremiah chapter 17. It's very easy for us oftentimes to think that we can uh, trust people around us, trust our, our friends, trust our family, or even trust ourselves. Um, hopefully you know yourself better than to trust in yourself. But if you can't even trust in yourself, how, you know, how could you uh, trust in some of those other people? And, and granted, there are people in our lives that we ought to be very thankful for that demonstrate a great degree of faithfulness. But... Remember, even those people, even those people uh, are born into this world with a, a sin nature and they are not the source of truth in your life. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5 says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Now, when it says, cursed be the man, it's not saying that God's going to punish him for doing that. What it's saying is that because that's a foolish and unreliable thing to do, it's going to wind up hurting you. It hurts you. It curses you. Just like it, it blesses you to trust in the Lord because of his faithfulness, it curses you to put your trust in man and in the arm of flesh. 
And you see what it says? That by doing that, his heart departs from the Lord. Do you know, you know what the, the word worship means? To worship something, the root word of the word worship is the word worth. It means to ascribe worth to something. When you worship God, you are uh, through, you know, through adoration and, and those kinds of things, you're ascribing worth to God and who He is. When you put your trust in man, what you're doing is you're ascribing a, a worth to that man and to that flesh that is not due. And in doing so, you take something away from God. When you allow yourself to trust in man or even to trust in your own self, you're, you're saying there's something trustworthy besides God and who He is. And you see there, it says that the one who, who places their trust in man and maketh flesh his arm, when it says he maketh flesh his arm, I mean, obviously your, your physical arm is flesh, your arms are what you use to do things, but when it says he maketh flesh his arm, it's saying he's turning to flesh to be the thing that's going to accomplish something in his life, whether it be his own or someone else's. And you see what the result of that is when your heart is trusting in those things, it departs from the Lord. Say, let God be true, but every man a liar. Put your trust where it belongs in the only reliable source of truth. And that's something that, that gives great certainty. Um, the, the second certainty, turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. You understand that the way you trust in the Lord is by trusting in His Word. That's the revelation that God has given to you of Himself. You can't trust just, you know, your, your preconceived idea of who God is or, or, you know, maybe how you were brought up thinking about God. You need to come to God's Word. Often what God's Word says about who God is and what He's promised to do is in conflict with a lot of our preconceived ideas. Uh, but if it's, if it's true that God is the only reliable source of truth, and if there's certainty in that regard, then that means the, the op- other side of that is true as well, that there's a certainty regarding the wickedness of man. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. There's a, there's a certainty there, right? Verse 13, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. It's a certainty that evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse. Um, again, when you, when you turn on the evening news and you see the things that are going on, don't be surprised at that. Don't be surprised at the, the evil and wickedness that's out there in the world. Uh, it's not something you need to, need to be surprised at, and it's not something you need to be worried about either. It is a certainty that evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. It's a certainty as well, because of that, that verse 12 says that all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's because of those same things back in John 17, that the world is going to hate you because of that truth, okay? And that truth stands in stark opposition to everything that the world holds to be true. And so they're going to hate you as a result of it. And you see, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. So, so realize when it says evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, that it's not talking about 
just, you know, many of these outward things that people measure in society. It doesn't mean there's going to be more and more crime every year, or that economic, you know, the economy is going to get worse and worse every year, or those kinds of things. In fact, often uh, evil and wickedness can result in just a flourishing economy. All right? You can't look at things the way the world looks at things. Um, the, it also, by the way, does not say here that the church is going to wax worse and worse. Now, there are some other verses that talk about a falling away and, and those kinds of things, but this is talking about evil men and seducers waxing worse and worse. And again, you can be certain of that in the coming year, that evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. You can be certain that there are going to continue to be false doctrines out there that are going to keep people uh, away from the truth of salvation by grace through faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You can be certain that there are things out there that are going to seduce believers, even people who have truly believed the gospel, away from a, a stand on the word of God. Um, you can be certain. The, you know, the, the numbers, when you look at statistics, are pretty grim uh, when it comes to Christians being seduced by the world. And you can expect that to continue. Now, what that means is that if evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse, and if it's truth that sets you apart from all of that, then as evil men and seducers wax worse and worse, believers must be more concerned and more diligent about the truth of God's word and must make a louder and bolder and more vocal stand for the truths of God's word to counteract that. All right? But there's something you can be certain about. And so, again, in the coming year, you can be certain, one, that God is the only reliable source of truth, and two, that evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. But number three, and I want you to turn to the book of Philippians. Number three, the third thing you can be certain of in the coming year, assuming that you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and have trusted him for, for salvation, have received that free gift of eternal life, there is something you can be absolutely certain of. And with all the uncertainty in the world around you, if there's anything to be certain of, this is it. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says, being confident, not being hopeful, being, um, you know, having good, good, uh, expectations, but being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. There will not come, if you are a believer in Christ, there will not come a day when God will not be performing that work. There will not be a day that he takes off, that, that he uh, gives up. <laughs> so Sometimes it feels like he ought to give up because we do so much to resist that work that he's trying to do in us. But it says, being confident, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it, not just in the coming year, but it says, until the day of Jesus Christ. Until the, another name for that day is the day of redemption. He's going to perform it until, until it doesn't need to be performed anymore because you'll have a, a new body and you'll be, you'll be perfected and, and complete in that way. You see, being confident of this very thing. Uh, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Get two more passages. Actually, get, go, to, go to 2 Timothy 2. We'll go there first. 
And then we'll go to Ephesians chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and Ephesians chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I hope you realize that when you received eternal life as a free gift that required no work on your part, that was simply a, a reliance on the completed work of Christ on Calvary, I hope you realize that not only did God perform the work in saving you, but God continues to perform the work in keeping you saved. If you couldn't do anything to get saved, you certainly can't do anything to stay saved. And if getting saved was a matter of relying on God's work, staying saved is a matter of relying on God's work as well. Notice here, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 says, It is a faithful saying, For if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Now notice there's no ifs, ands, or buts there in that verse. If you're dead with him through believing the gospel, when you believe the gospel, you became dead with Christ. And it says, if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Speaking of resurrection there. Now verse 12 says, these verses tend to confuse people. But verse 12 says, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. Now, that's not putting conditions on salvation. That's putting conditions on reward. If we suffer, if we faithfully suffer that persecution that's certain to all who live godly in Christ, we'll reign with him. We'll have a special reward of a position of greater authority of reigning in heavenly places. And if we deny him, he's going to deny us that reward. But notice verse 13. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful he cannot deny himself. That's very similar to, to uh, the verse back there in Romans that said, let God be true, but every man a liar. If we believe not, can, can you honestly say that every moment of every day that you believe the gospel the way that you ought? Now, hopefully, if you're a mature saint, that's true. But even, even believers, especially younger believers, often have times when they doubt their salvation. Does that mean they... They lose that salvation for that period of doubt and then regain it when they, when they believe again. No, the verse says, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. God is faithful to perform what he promised. And he promised eternal life to those who, who trust in Christ. Says he promised it before the world began. Uh, he didn't promise it as long as you believe. And, you know, if you, if you die in a state of unbelief, then you're not going to have eternal life or whatever. But... Rather, it says, he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Now, that in part means he cannot deny his nature, he cannot deny who he is, and since God cannot lie, uh, those things that he says about eternal life, if, if you can lose it, then it's not eternal life, is it? It's conditional life. Um, but he calls it eternal life. But, you know, part of that as well is that when a person believes the gospel, you realize you become so joined to Christ that you become a member of his body. So that for him to deny you, to take away salvation, would be to, for him to deny his own self. You understand that? How, how close a relationship you have with Christ. Um, it is certain in 2011 that if you've believed the gospel, that God's going to continue to perform that work in you. Go back to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, 
Verse 12 says that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of His glory. If you're a believer in Christ, you are sealed Not with your faith, as if that's the thing that keeps you saved, but you're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The Spirit, who is God Himself, is what seals you. It says it is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Again, speaking of that time when we, that day of redemption, when we receive those new bodies, it's it's the earnest, it's the thing, it's the security deposit on or the down payment, you could say, on the inheritance that is ours in Christ. And no man is stronger than that seal that's placed on the believer. In fact, you yourself are not stronger than that seal. Once a person has believed the gospel, you can't get out of Christ even if you wanted to um, because you're joined to him. He's not in the business of amputating members of his body. He's not in the business of breaking his own seal that he placed on those believers. You see, you're sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. It's the earnest until the redemption of the purchased possession. You can be certain that God is the only reliable source of truth. You turn anywhere else for truth and, and put too much trust on it, trust in it, and you'll be like that cursed man that Jeremiah talked about who trusted in man and, and made flesh his arm. Um, You can be certain that God is the only reliable source of truth. You can be certain that evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse. But you can be certain that he which began a good work in you, he's going to continue to perform it. And, you know, there's there's another thing. If you've never trusted in Christ, there's something that's certain as well. And that is that you're under the condemnation of God. Uh, That that these things, the... uh, if, if you've never trusted in Christ, God hasn't begun the good work in you, and there isn't something for him to perform until that day. The scripture says you're dead. And uh, there's a certainty there for the unbeliever as well, based on the truth of God's word. Um, there, you know, and, and when you talk about certainty, if, if you have doubts about your salvation, now there's two possibilities there. The one possibility is that you truly were saved, but you know, you've, you've come to doubt some things or, or whatever, been led astray by false doctrine or, or whatever. But it's more, likely, it's more likely that if somebody doubts their salvation, that they were never saved to begin with. And if you have those doubts, the solution is not to just you know, continue on in doubt. The solution is to go to God's Word and find out what, what God's Word says. Um, if, if you have doubts about salvation, and maybe you, maybe you sit here every week and, and hear these things from God's Word, understand that coming to this church isn't going to save anybody, uh, this church or any other church. Um, do, you know, opening up your Bible once a week or, or even every day uh, isn't going to save anybody. Uh, it's the gospel that saves. It's that Christ died for our sins and was buried and rose again. And if your trust is in anything else, if your trust is in your good works, if your trust is, or, or if you're like some people who say, well, yeah, I believe the gospel, but I, I, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to cover my bets and, and uh, do the good works anyway, just in case the gospel isn't, isn't enough. That's not faith in the gospel. 
uh, faith in the gospel is to believe that it is enough and that the works, you, you don't need the works. Um, the, uh, the truth of God's word, which is the same truth that saves the believer, it condemns that unbeliever. And don't, you know, don't sit here week after week uh, hoping that you're saved, thinking you might be saved, and that kind of thing. Realize the work was completed at the cross of Calvary. Jesus Christ paid the complete and final price that, that was needed for you to have eternal life. And there's nothing left for you to do. Your part is just to, just to rely on what he did. If he didn't, if he didn't complete it all, how could I ever add anything to that? How could you ever add anything to that? Um, if Christ couldn't do it, if Christ's work wasn't enough, my work certainly isn't going to be enough. And, and so, you know, if, if you're here this morning and you're like that and you sit here and doubt about salvation and those kinds of things, um, realize the truth of God's word. Christ did it all. The reason doubt comes in about salvation is we start to think, have I done enough? Have I done it? And we start to put our, that trust in ourselves instead of what Christ accomplished for us. Hi, I'm Richard Church, the teacher here on Verse by Verse. I'm glad you've listened to our podcast today, and I would like to let you know that if you have any questions about anything you've heard here, you can contact me by email at richard at richardchurch.com or by telephone 608-339-9522. I also encourage you to check out our church website at www.friendshipbiblechurch.com. Thank you for joining us today, and our prayer is that this program would be a blessing to you in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's grace.